Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 4 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. Here with me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. In this episode, we are breaking down the players at the top of our rankings, which uh, are available. Of course, they just came out today at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on. We're speculating on some props. And at the end of the show, we are answering your Twitter fantasy questions. And joining us for his first appearance on the show is Will Brinson, a senior NFL writer for CBS Sports and the host of the Pick 6 podcast. Will, how was week three for you? It was good. It was good. I think uh, I think like seventy five percent of my teams have a winning record, and um, actually, I won my first ever uh, DFS tournament, which is very exciting. Ooh. Except um, instead of entering in like a high stakes one, I it was a three dollar contest, and uh, and so like I had a I had the nuts on a on a on a on a, on a lineup, and I won one hundred thirty five dollars. Well, that's uh, better than the alternative. So at least that went well for you, uh, Sean, Chris. Week three, how did it go? I mean, I'm hyped. The Giants got a quarterback. <laughs> Went 14-3 and three, uh, betting on the early slate, on the 1 p.m. slate. I think this was just the most exciting week of football yet. Sean, what about you? Yeah, I had a slightly above average week, uh, which was nice after, you know, treading water for the first couple of weeks. My, my core is pretty good, but I definitely had way too much Chris Carson. Uh, he definitely ruined some uh, massive lineups I had. So hopefully uh, I can get it all together for uh, week four. Yeah, on the topic of Chris Carson or really anyone else who kind of stood out, Will, was there uh, something that surprised you from this weekend? It was the Chiefs running back usage in the wake of LaShawn McCoy and um, Damian Williams going down. I had a lot of Darwin Thompson and uh, and started him in some lineups thinking, you know, boomer bust situation that he might come in. And instead it was uh, Damian's younger brother, Daryl, who, who stepped no, really, They're not really related, obviously. But uh, he stepped in and took over for the Chiefs. Uh, it's kind of scary because it reminds you that, that Andy Reid can make anybody look good. It's a benefit that we can go grab Daryl Williams now. But I think that you got these four guys who might be involved and with them trying to save Shady for the stretch run and, and certainly trying to keep Damian Williams healthy. I, I am a little worried the Chiefs running back situation, which is a very profitable spot, might might be a little tough to predict moving forward. All right, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk specifically about the players at the top of our rankings right now. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, probably not a surprise there. Will, are those the top three for you guys uh, going into the week? And maybe, uh, you know, it's early in the week, so you don't have your, your rankings set yet. But does that seem like a, a pretty consensus top three for you? Yeah, I think that seems about right. Um, Maybe the one other guy that could be up there would be Russell Wilson, given sort of what we've seen from uh, the Seahawks and, and their kind of, ch- I mean, not change in philosophy. I still think Brian Schottenheimer wants to run it, but they don't seem to be very capable of doing it. I don't know that they trust Chris Carson. It doesn't look like Rashad Penny is necessarily going to be, we don't know what his health status is going to be yet because it's early in the week. Um, so I think Russell could be involved uh, there as well. And then look, 
the Dolphins stink. So why not throw Phillip Rivers in there as well if you're going to talk about top teams? I mean, like, but just fading the Dolphins or playing whoever's going against the Dolphins is a pretty good move. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that list works. All right, so uh, Sean and Raymond, both of you have Mahomes, Jackson, and Watson ranked one, two, three. So probably not all that much to talk about with those two guys. But uh, Sean, I want to start with you. Who is a player that you are relatively high on uh, against the consensus? Uh, so for me, uh, Daniel Jones, uh, which might seem obvious, but I, I feel like since I name dropped him last week in the section, I, I gave myself permission <laughs> to use him here. Um, but, you know, he, he gets the Redskins defense this week. So it's another great matchup. He's only 5,300 on DraftKings. So he's a guy I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a ton of shares on. Um, and, you know, the Redskins defense have now allowed three touchdowns to each of their opponents so far. So that's uh, Dak, Wentz, and then Trubisky last night. Um, so this is another good matchup for him. Um, I also want to point out that we, we kind of nailed his rushing prop early in the season. We had um, – we kind of all set – his over-under at 25 and a half yards for his first game, and he ended up rushing for 28 yards. Um, so it was good to see his, his rushing potential is going to help his um, floor and ceiling come up every week. So I, I love Daniel Jones again this week. All right, Rayvon, uh, what about you? Who is standing out for you as someone who provides some value? Well, love Jones at 5.3. I think the other side of that, Case Keenum uh, at 4.9K, you know, against the Giants. I think the Washington defense really going to struggle coming, uh, you know, on the short week against Daniel Jones. And we know opposing quarterbacks, Fantasy Labs, NFL correlations tool, that, that correlation is about 0.5 or higher usually uh, for most teams. And that's a really strong correlation behind only, you know, really the quarterback wide receiver correlations uh, in terms of uh, positional correlation. So I think that 4.9K for Keenum, uh, who's been throwing the ball a ton. I mean, I bet the under foolishly on his passing yard prop uh, last night, but he has 86 completions on 124 attempts through three games. So, um, you know, he's averaging, you know, well over 25 completions per contest, has seven touchdowns, three picks. So uh, I think he's in a really good spot. And, and of course, Jared Goff, I'm still going back to him at home, uh, you know, 311 yards, uh, 1.8 touchdowns per game. Uh, and 12 home games under McVay with Cooper Cup in that line of 9.2 yards per attempt. So, uh, like Goff, don't think he's going to be owned much because he's been kind of shaky this season, but I think he'll get better uh, as that O-line kind of gels. You know, they have a couple of new pieces in there, um, and, and I think it's a really good matchup against Tampa Bay. I'm relatively high on Dak Prescott, and I must admit that he's had maybe the easiest stretch of games to start the season going against the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, all three of those teams very weak in pass defense. But I don't have that high of an opinion uh, about the, the Saints in pass defense either. So I think it's another pretty good matchup for him. Marshawn Lattimore, uh, who just a couple of years ago looked like a potential all-pro quarterback, has really struggled this year. I think he's going to be matched up one-on-one -on -one with Amari Cooper. And I really like Cooper's odds to dominate uh, in that matchup. Uh, so very high on Dak. I actually have him number two in my rankings. That's uh, probably aggressive, but uh, I'm going to try to be ahead of the curve on him. Will, who are you relatively high on? Uh, Rayvon mentioned him, but Ke Craig Keenum, I think, is a great play, and I'm, I'm with Sean on, on Daniel Jones, too. I mean, those, those guys, that I like that over in that game. I think it's like 47 and probably moving up. I have no problem taking uh, – like, we think about Giants-Redskins, and it sounds like a stinker, but they're going to score. But those teams are throwing the ball, and it's actually been very efficient. Uh, in, or at least the Redskins have been efficient in the passing game. I think Daniel Jones will improve him there. Uh, the other guy that I would look towards is Matthew Stafford. Uh, playing the Chiefs, I would anticipate that, you know, you're probably going to be losing and you're probably going to be throwing a lot. And if you look at his game 
last week uh, against the Eagles. They had four drives, I think, that started at midfield or, or closer to the Eagles' uh, goal line because of dumb fumbles by uh, Miles Sanders and, and, and bad plays uh, in general by the Eagles. And so he wasn't asked to throw a lot. And they, they actually uh, – and I'll mention one of his wide receivers here in a minute as well, but um, they ran a lot of two tight end or, or, you know, or more sets because they were trying to run the ball. And they were they, at one point they were backed up on their own goal line and just trying to clear out some room. So I think it was just a very shortened game and people will be down on Stafford because he hasn't had two good weeks. And I think against the chiefs, you could see him merit out a lot. All right. And who is a player that you're relatively down on? Uh, I think I had, yeah, I had a uh, Jameis, I had Jameis Winston here, um, you know, following like, I think you're going to see pe- people want to get people love Jameis Winston. They just they want they want to love Jameis Winston. They want him to be this high volume fantasy quarterback. And I get it. He throws it around a bunch. The no risk it, no biscuit philosophy and and all of that. But yeah, I tend to think even with this high over under in that Rams Buccaneers game at fifty and a half, that you could see uh, maybe a comeback game from Jameis and and a, and a very strong defensive effort from the Rams. I think Aaron Donald will be all up in his kitchen. Maybe if he has to come back a bunch, it could end up being a, a nice effort for him. But I, I'm not particularly high on. James this week. All right, Rayvon, what about you? Who is someone you're relatively low on? Uh, Mason Rudolph is, is it for me. Um, you know, I, I still have him out of the top 20, have guys like uh, Case Keenum, Kyle Allen above him. Uh, I just think that we're over kind of overrating um, how what kind of games the Cincinnati defense is going to play. I think, you know, when their offense is clicking, they're going to kind of be like a, a dink and dunk, but, a, you know, ball control team and uh, bet that under in the Cincy Bills game last week, had to sweat it out, but, um, you know, thought the public was kind of overrating it. And uh, I think the same thing is happening. So um, I'm a little lower on Rudolph than the consensus. Uh, I was going to go with somebody else, but uh, I see Sean wants to talk about him, so I won't steal him. <laughs> All right, Sean, get to it. Who do you have here? So for me, it's uh, Tom Brady. Um, I have him um, as a lower end QB one this week, and he's he's priced out as a top three quarterback on DraftKings at six K. Um, he's you know he's been able to take advantage of an easy schedule to start, and you know heading into this this past week, we thought he had AB, Julian Edelman, and Josh Gordon as receivers, and then obviously AB got cut, um, Edelman got hurt, and even Josh Gordon got hurt. So so we're a little uncertain about Edelman's status this week. So uh, you know I could be bumping Brady even lower. Um, he has his first tough test this week uh, against Buffalo. Um, and they actually have the, the Patriots have the same uh, team total as the Giants this week. So I just think there's better value elsewhere. There's no reason to spend up for a guy like Brady who, who doesn't offer any rushing upside. All right. So Raybon made the pro case for Jared Goff. I'm going to make the, uh, the con case against him. Uh, if you are going to play Goff as a home favorite, that is where he goes off. So this is a good spot for him. I do like his matchup against the Bucs. I have to admit that. But I think this offense in general has just regressed this year. Uh, Goff has 6.5 adjusted yards per attempt. In his past two seasons under Sean McVay, he's had 8.5. Um, this offense just – it's stagnating a little bit. It's not moving forward the way it has previously. And so this could be a get-right spot for them. I totally acknowledge that. I'm just a little more pessimistic on Goff relative to what we've seen out of him in previous seasons. Sean, I want to kick it to you to give us uh, a couple of player props to consider. As a reminder, we have the props tool at Fantasy Labs, which is powered by the projections that Sean creates. Those are also found in the models at Fantasy Labs. Sean, what props do you have for us this week? 
So let's uh, do Daniel Jones again this week. Uh, last week, uh, we, we got the Eli news, I think, shortly before we recorded. So I, I floated uh, 255 for him last week, and he threw for 336. Um, so this week against the Redskins, I'm bumping it up to uh, 265 and a half. I'll go over. Uh, I have him pretty much right around there, but just thinking about the Redskins on the short week uh, made Mitchell Trubisky look like, you know, a whole different quarterback aside from that one bad interception, but that was on Trubisky. Uh, Daniel Jones doesn't seem to make many mistakes throwing the football. I think he, he is liable to maybe fumble pocket presence and awareness, um, you know, still building up. But when he gets to release the ball, I think it's going places. I have Sterling Shepard uh, as a top 20 wideout this week. I have Evan Ingram as a top two tight end play. We heard on Monday night, they're calling for Jay Gruden's job and just don't think this, this team, you know, on a short week is going to be in the right mindset to, to stop Daniel Jones. So I'll go over. Yeah, I would take the over in that too. I mean, look, the only reason that you would take the under is if they had a defense like the Bears that might that might like stop the Redskins from scoring and force this into a run game situation. I don't. They they don't have that. So um, I'll take the over on Daniel Jones there too. The kid looks like he can throw it down the field. Yeah, I was impressed with what he did in his first start. I'm going to take the under, however, and I should probably adjust my numbers, but my Bayesian prior for him is still pretty strongly negative, uh, and I don't want to abandon that position just yet, even though I'm admitting I know I was probably wrong about him. So I will probably be pivoting pretty quickly towards a full-on pro Daniel Jones account, but uh, for now, I'm still going to be taking the under. Are you projecting them to pass any more because Saquon is out of the lineup or, or you think they'll still run the same amount uh, with Gallman and whoever <laughs> is behind them? I mean, they haven't been running all that much to begin with. So mm-hmm. I think it's still going to be pretty much what we've seen. I, I just think the quality of his pass catchers is pretty diminished right now. Once Golden Tate comes back and, you know, Saquon comes back, you mentioned that will all improve. But uh, right now I'm still kind of viewing him as a guy I wasn't that high on entering the NFL draft uh, who isn't, I think, in all that great of a situation. He's still starting his second NFL game. Like, I'm going to be inclined to be pessimistic about that. Sticking with your Bayesian priors. I love it. <laughs> um, so next up, I mean, I consider you guys the Kyler Murray whisperer, so I need your help with this one, is rushing yards. He finally hit his ceiling this week with uh, 69 rushing yards, but, you know, weeks one and two, he only did uh, rush for 13 and four yards. So having some difficulty projecting it for week four, but uh, right now I have it at 28 and a half. I'm going under. Uh, I have it a little bit lower. I I think what tends to happen is quarterback busts out for a big game like that, um, seeing some man coverage. And I think what will happen this week is they'll try to spy him a little more and try to try to slow that down just a bit. So I think overall, he'll probably average out to around, you know, somewhere in the 20s, but it might be the low 20s. So for now, I'm still going under. I think, you know, we still have two two of the three games, as you mentioned, Sean, um, where he's kind of been in the teens. Yeah, I would I would lean under as well, just because Kyler. I've been really impressed, and he doesn't he doesn't look like he wants to run. I mean, he looks like in similar. I mean, by the way, somebody go hire Lincoln Riley because like these guys, whatever reason, they come out and they they're these rushing quarterbacks who don't look like they want to run. Uh, the one thing that gave me a little bit of pause, um, if you're looking at that, is that. Uh, Mason Rudolph had one carry for seven yards and Teddy Bridgewater had three carries for 12 yards. Not that those would top it, obviously, but those are not rushing quarterbacks per se. So like if Kyler gets chased at all um, by, by the Seahawks defensive line, then I think he could pick it up. But I don't think he will try to hit that number over. And that's and that's a good point with, with the, the rushing numbers against the Seahawks, because remember, that's like a, a predominantly zone cover three. You know, they have that system there where they're, they're usually in zone. And when you're in zone, you have everyone's looking at the quarterback. So I think especially after he busts out for that big game, 
um, you know, they're, they're probably going to keep their eyes on him and not turn and run a, a lot like you would uh, if you were playing, if you were more of a man defense. Yeah, I like that last point from Rayvon. I'm taking the under as well, but I think this is pretty close. I have this around 27 and a half rushing yards. So I'm pretty much right where you are, Sean, but uh, I'm leaning towards the under there. Let's talk about running backs. Uh, the players at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, probably no surprise there. Uh, Will, what do you think of your top three? Who would you have in there? Uh, I think that's a pretty good top three, right? That's the uh, Saquon Barkley's hurt, and that's the top of the draft. So I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with it. McCaffrey, McCaffrey, this thing is hilarious to me. Is how the Panthers are like, we're gonna, we're gonna reduce his snaps. He's seen as lowest as ninety-two. Like this guy's on the field for every single play. I, they're doing a good job of reducing his like his, his carries or not giving him too many carries, but his snaps are through the roof. You have to play him. He's he's. Probably should have been the number one overall pick if, if, we, if we really thought about it in that way. Kamara, it, we saw how Teddy Bridgewater leaned on him. Sean Payton used an incredibly short passing game and very conservative. I think he'll keep doing that with Teddy. I think you'll see an uptick in Kamara's uh, uh, production, actually, in the passing game th- over until Drew Brees comes back. And then Zeke Elliott, traditionally speaking, no, I don't want to call like, like say that Zeke doesn't come into the season in shape. But, I mean, I'm just saying, if I were in Cabo and eating grilled shrimp and drinking Mai Tais, I might wait, wait until like week three or week four or week five to really start playing well. He's already putting up numbers. I think, I think he, could, uh, he could explode like he, typ- he typically does in the third or fourth week of the season. Sean, I want to kick it to you. Who are guys that you are high on at the running back position? Um, so first off, I, I think carry on Johnson. This is, this is a good opportunity to sort of buy low um, at home against the chiefs at 5,400. Um, I, I know he kind of let people down last week uh, after, you know, the lions cut CJ Anderson, we expected, you know, a ton of usage and we actually did get that. He saw a career high uh, 20 rush attempts, 75% of snaps, which is also a career high. He was able to get a goal line um, score. So all the, all the things are sort of lining up for him to be a, a RB one the rest of the season. Um, he just happened to face a good Eagle run defense, so his efficiency was pretty low. Um, I, I will say it is, um, you know, kind of frustrating that he's not being more involved in the passing game. Um, so I think this week uh, against the Chiefs, we'd want to see him get two to three receptions um, to kind of solidify him as an RB1 going forward. But I think this is a good week sort of buy low on him after he disappointed people in week three. Uh, and then the other guy I wanted to throw out there was uh, Justin Jackson as a sneaky uh, blowout running back type of situation. He's only uh, 4,100 on uh, DraftKings. They, they face the Dolphins this week, so I expect him to be used a ton in the second half. And again, you know, I love these, these spots where a team's favored by, you know, close to 17 points, and you could almost double stack the running back. So you could use uh, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson uh, for some, uh, like, you know, sneaky contrarian play there. Um, and last week it worked a bit with uh, Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard uh, Pollard going off in the second half is kind of what I envision here uh, with Justin Jackson this week. Sean, I want to push back just a little bit. So you have carry on ranked number 12 in our half point uh, PPR rankings. I have a number 16. So it's not as if there's a huge difference there, but I'm a little more pessimistic in that. Um, I think if you look at his game logs, he's a pretty boom or bust type of runner. He either has uh games with high efficiency or really low efficiency. Uh, And in the past, like last year, he was able to kind of mask that and smooth it out uh, because he was being used more as a receiver. But this year he isn't getting the target volume that he had previously. So when he doesn't uh, have efficient rushing games, uh, you can really tell that he's underperforming. Uh, And so I just feel that there's a little more inconsistency with him 
Uh, can you talk just a little bit more about how you are viewing him? Yes, I think you're onto something uh, with that. I'm comparing him to uh, the DraftKings prices right now. I have him uh, projected as the eighth running back on the main slate, and he's priced out at 14 or so. So I just think he's being undervalued right now, and I think he can only grow in the passing game. I think they will start to get him more receptions. I think it's inevitable. Um, they might get uh, J.D. McKissick or even Ty Johnson a bit more involved in the passing game, but I, I think they'll they'll figure out that you know Carrion should be the workhorse back. So I, I'm sort of – um, investing on his ceiling this week, especially in the matchup against the Chiefs. But I, I'm with you there. I think his his week-to-week uh, floor will be lower if, if he doesn't get involved more in the passing game. I think, I mean, we actually did see exactly what we wanted in the first game without C.J. Anderson because Kerryon Johnson was always around that 50-60% carry share and did not get goal line work. Last week, 20 of the 25 running back carries, that's 80%, and he got the goal line work. I think it's perfect. I mean, like with efficiency, you're like in terms of modeling, you're not really projecting anyone below, I don't know, 3.8 yards per carry or higher than like five. So, I mean, that efficiency really from a predictive standpoint is going to kind of even out, you know, to, to, you know, the 4.2, 4.3 yards per carry that most running backs average. Um, but he got 80% of the carries. And that's, that was something we haven't really seen yeah. uh, from Kerryon Johnson yet. Yeah, and they gave uh, another thing to point out. They gave him back-to-back goal line carries. The first one, he got stuffed, and they stuck with him again. And those are encouraging things. And then he was able to punch it in. So, um, you know, expecting goal line carries going forward is another uh, great thing for his long-term value. All right. It's a nice leverage play. It's a nice leverage yeah. play on the Chiefs because, like, Detroit, they mentioned earlier this year, uh, Daryl Bevel, like, they were going to kind of play game plan specific, and they were going to hide their defense when they had to. And I, I would think this is a game where they're like, hey, we need to take the air out of the ball because if Patrick Mahomes gets that ball, it's, it's just bombs away. Yeah, if you look at the stretch of three games last year where the Chiefs lost, they went uh, one and two, including that the overtime win against Baltimore. It was Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Seahawks. And all three of those teams pounded the ball on them and tried to just shorten the game plan. And it's really the only – I mean, like, I know it's like a standby for, like, sports writers. Like, you got to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. But, like, it actually is true. Like, they keep long drives and, and pound the ball down the field. I actually think Hawkinson, because everybody's off Hawkinson completely now. I could, I could see them putting Hawkinson and Jesse James and just running carry on Johnson 30 times and maybe trying – to hit Hawkins and play action. So, like, I, I, I feel like there's some value there in the Detroit Lions offense, too. All right, it's pretty unanimous. I am too low on Carrion Johnson. <laughs> uh, Raybon, who are you high on? Marlon Mack. This guy, you know, he played hurt last week. Kind of didn't know how to rank him. I think ended up like 2021. 20, now, look up. He's got – he's carrying the ball on 79% of Colts' backfield carries. Facing the Oakland Raider defense – Home favorite, checks the box. Raiders run defense ranks 30th in pro football focuses, team run defense grades. His target share starting to tick up just a bit in, you know, like 6 7%. It used to be like 4 5 So I'm all in on Marlon Mack, 6.1 uh, on, D- on DraftKings this week. Uh, he could give you that, that top five ceiling. So Rashad Penny is a guy that I'm looking to get as much as I can. He's only owned in 78% of CBS Sports Leagues, which is just not enough for that Seattle offense. Chris Carson has seen his snaps drop precipitously. He went down from 76 to 55 to 44 last week. I know that the game script wasn't good because they were down early to the Saints. Uh, but he has three fumbles in three games, and Penny should be back at practice this week. If he's on your waiver wire, I would use my, a number one claim on him um, above guys like even Wayne Gallman or Rex Burkhead. I think that in the next few weeks, they're going to turn to Penny and he's going to become the guy in Seattle because of how ineffective Chris Carson's been. 
the one thing that really worries me about Carson is all the fumbling, but when it comes to drop balls, it's hard not to have a conversation about erectile dysfunction. Trust me, that transition made total sense in my brain. Our good friends at Roman, like a midnight booty call, are once again returning to the podcast with another strong, robust, certainly not flaccid ad about erectile dysfunction. Guys, if you ever find yourself in a situation in which your starting fantasy lineup is letting you down, you know what I'm talking about. Hit the waiver wire and find yourself a stud league winner with Roman. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman has created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and treated online. With Roman, you can get appropriate care for ED from the comfort and privacy of home, and you can handle everything online. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash action, which, by the way, is the perfect promo code for this ad. Go to GetRoman.com slash action and complete an online visit. In consultation with your doctor, you can get genuine medication discreetly delivered to your door with free two-day shipping. And based on my online research, someone delivering a package to the front door is how most sexual encounters get started. So, you know, pretty perfect. Guys, go online. Get checked out by the doctor, get your medicine, and then get into the end zone with Roman for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Go to GetRoman.com slash action. That is GetRoman.com slash action to get started. GetRoman.com slash action. When I think of ED medicine, my mind naturally goes to Peter Jennings, aka CSURM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, how was week three? In terms of DFS, were you on Team Sex? No, week three ended up being pretty poor for me. Had the right guys, but not the right guys together. Uh, Keenan Allen on DraftKings, but faded him on FanDuel. But ready for week four and excited uh, for a lot of these games. In terms of roster construction, how are you approaching cash games and GPPs? There are a lot of cheap options at, at all the positions. I think the most chalky option here as we record on Tuesday is going to be going cheap at QB, and I'll get into that play. So uh, spending up at some of the receiver spots and running back will probably be pretty common in cash games. So I think you can be contrarian in tournaments uh, by going away from some of the cheaper quarterback options and playing someone like Mahomes. Yeah, so who are you looking at uh, for quarterback specifically? So I think Danny Dimes is going to be the highest projected points per dollar play when we uh, finalize everything at Fantasy Labs. And he makes a ton of sense at 5,300. Giants have a huge team total, and he had an incredible performance in his first start as an NFL quarterback. Love his upside with his legs as well. And in tournaments, I mentioned pivoting to someone like Patrick Mahomes. I also have no problem, you know, pivoting to, uh, you know, someone like Lamar Jackson uh, as well, who I think makes a lot of sense uh, at 6,900. At running back, who have you uh, paid attention to? So running back's really interesting. I think, you know, the first thing you look at is the the Chargers are playing Miami this week. And so Justin Jackson and Eckler are both really, really good options. Obviously, you get a big discount on Justin Jackson. In addition, uh, another cheap option I think will be popular is Wayne Gallman with Saquon Barkley's injury. So those are some cheap options. And then I really like Christian McCaffrey again this week, uh, even as a, you know, 8,800 on DraftKings, I think he still makes quite a bit of sense. He's popping pretty high in my model as well. What about wide receiver? So wide receiver, I think there's always a lot of options. Uh, it's tough right now. A lot of the guys popping for me currently are the Redskins players. That game is projected to be somewhat of a shootout. So really a big fan of Jeremy McLaurin. Trey Quinn is uh, 3K on DraftKings. So I think both those guys make a lot of sense 
And then it goes down to, you know, some of the Chiefs options, you know, at the expensive end, you got Julio Jones, you have Keenan Allen again, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, So I think receiver has the most options in terms of really high equity plays, which uh, makes it a really good position to to be contrarian as well. And then finally at tight end, uh, who are you looking at? Tight end, I like Evan Ingram again. You know, I'm all over all the Giants. Uh, I think he makes a ton of sense. Travis Kelsey is a, a play every single week as well. So those are the two guys at the top end that I really like. And then Austin Hooper is actually someone I'm looking quite a bit at this week. Uh, a guy that just consistently has a lot of production coming off a really big game. And uh, I think he's a, a really nice play this week. He was only 2.7% owned in a lot of contests last week. And, uh, you know, two touchdowns on seven targets. I think he's a, a nice mid-tier play at the tight end position. Finally, uh, maybe uh, an idea for a stack or a game stack, something that you think has potential for GPPs and might kind of fly under the radar. Yeah, I think there's a variety of options uh, that you can look to. But one tournament option that I'm going to look to is uh, Jameis Winston to O.J. Howard. I think it'll be really low owned. O.J. Howard got a little bit of involvement last week, and I'm still going to bet on his talent. Uh, they should be trailing their big dogs against the Rams. And I think that's a nice contrarian pivot that you can go to. People who do end up deciding to play Tampa Bay guys are going to go with Godwin or Evan. And so uh, early in the week, I think OJ Howard would be a really nice pivot and a nice contrarian stack. All right. That was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week four. Will, it seems like you are high on Penny, low on Carson. Uh, Is there anyone else you are also low on? I am also low on Todd Gurley, and I know Sean had him on there as well, so I didn't want to steal the thunder. But, like, I've been getting attacked this year. I'm like, no, Gurley's not great. He looks like crap. He's running the ball poorly. They don't want to use him as much in the goal line, in my opinion, because I think they're worried about the high-impact hits that you take in the goal line that you're more likely to take in that condensed space on that knee. Um, They don't trust him. He's not as explosive. And this offense without Jared Goff isn't as good. And for whatever reason, Bill Belichick laid out some six-man front blueprint for these zone outside zone runs, and everybody's everybody's like oh crap yeah that works let's do that okay sean you are also uh low on todd Gurley. what are you seeing with him this week will made some good points there um also low on todd Gurley, especially when he's 7k this week facing buccaneers defense that you know they were able to shut down chris mccaffrey in week two and then they were able to slow down saquon barkley last week before he got hurt and you know the other thing with Gurley, we we knew the knee was going to be an issue and you know they're going to do some load management with him but we expected him to sort of peak early in the season and then he was going to slowly fade. Um, so it's it's really concerning that he's already starting off um, sort of on a bad bad note. So yeah, he's he's a concern for me. So I'm, I'm low on him. Um, and then Derrick Henry is a guy I'm low on. Usually I'm really high on Derrick Henry, but this matchup at Atlanta is not favorable for him, especially at 6.3K on DraftKings this week. Um, he has a touch on each of his first three games, um, but this, this matchup doesn't really set up well for him. I think this is going to be more of a Deion Lewis type of game. We know the Falcons, they're more vulnerable uh, to pass catching backs. And I think, you know, the Titans are going to trail for a good portion of this game. So I think we're going to see more Deion Lewis. So I'm fading Derrick Henry this week. All right, Raybon, what about you? Yeah, I, I echo everybody on Gurley. He's only caught four of Jared Goff's 66 completions this year. That's only 6% with you guys on Gurley. Dalvin Cook's another one for me. Not that he's going anywhere crazy, but more of a low-end RB1 for me this week because uh, the Chicago Bears, number one in allowing the fewest points to opposing running backs. They're allowing only 3.1 yards per carry. Dalvin Cook uh, has benefited from 
uh, ridiculous uh, run rate for the Vikings. You know, they, they had a couple games early this year where they've been able to jump out to weeds. I still think Cook is a, a big play threat, but we know the Bears, um, they can kind of focus in on, on shutting him down. And that Minnesota O-line still not great. Now he's down to like 65% of the carries. Uh, Alexander Madison has been mixing in a bit more. And Chris Carson, he's a guy trending down, especially if Rashad Penny's back. CJ Prosize ran more routes than Carson last week, was used essentially like Carson. They want to target backs and use the backs in the pass game. And so Prosize can kind of fit right in. And just as easily as Pete Carroll will play, you know, a guy who, like Carson, who, you know, no real pedigree, but earned his way onto the field, uh, he'll also play, uh, take him off if, if he continues to struggle like this. And, and we kind of saw that uh, manifest itself last week. So uh, those three guys, and then Duke Johnson as well, Carlos Hyde getting 70% of the carries, Duke only 30%. So that leaves him in no man's land. He's out of my top 36 uh, in half point PPR at running back this week. All right, Sean, what do you have for us in terms of props? So first up, uh, let's go with Wayne Gallman's total rushing and receiving yards. C.J. Anderson has been working out with the Texans. So that was a concern I had with Gallman to begin this week was I thought they might bring in a guy like him. So if, if they just roll with what they have right now, I think Gallman's projection should go up. Right now, um, I have it at 72 and a half. It's not ideal, but uh, I'm still going over. I have him at 77. So I have him essentially the default RB, RB1 gets about 70% of the carries and, uh, and 10% of the catches in, in this league. And so that's what I tentatively have him at. I don't know exactly what they'll do behind him. Eli Penny, the fullback, can kind of play halfback. Uh, they also have a guy, John Hilleman, uh, on the practice squad and Austin Walter. They may call one or both of those guys up, but right now 70%. So I have about uh, 14 carries for, for 61 yards, 10% of the catches. So just under two and a half catches for another 16 yards. So I have them at 77 uh, total on just a little over 16 touches. I, I still think I'll take under here because I think it's going to be an Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard game in, in terms of what the Giants do in the passing game. And I just – but – Look, it's possible that Daniel Jones uses Gallman as more of a check down. Um, I just don't trust his usage, so I, I will take under. I agree with Will there. I don't have all that high of an opinion of Gallman in the first place, so that is primarily what is feeding into this. And Daniel Jones is a very good runner, uh, and so I could see him uh, taking some of the rushing yardage that we would maybe assume would go to Gallman. Um, Chris Carson, rushing yards. Um, I have it at 58 and a half now. It's an art and a science. I'm going with a little art here, and I'm still going under. Will mentioned it. The snap rates have been decreasing. If Rashad Penny's back, he was trending up uh, before the injury. And CJ Proceis mixed in a ton last week, ran more pass routes. I think there's a lot of different avenues for Chris Carson to fall short of a 59-yard rush. Russell Wilson has 85 pass attempts the last two weeks. What if, I mean, and this is kind of a hypothetical because I don't know the answer yet, but what if the Seahawks defense is bad? Russell Wilson is going to have to throw a ton because they can't stay on this game script that, that feeds into this fever dream for Brian Schottenheimer. I mean, it's entirely possible. They're trending in the wrong direction in terms of performance. Russ is a guy that I would be buying on in terms of a fantasy option. I, I think his weapons as well. And with Rashad Penny, hopefully practicing if he plays, I would absolutely take the under here. It's no what if. Their defense is bad. And it, the, I don't think the Cardinals are going to try to run. I think the Cardinals are going to – not that the Cardinals' offense is exciting or anything, but they'll try and throw it down the field. Yeah, I'm going to go over just uh, in part because I am anticipating a pretty run-heavy game, and I still think Carson is the lead back, even if Penny comes back. And uh, even if we see Prozice, uh continue to get some usage, I will still go with Carson there. And what happened to your Penny love? Like, you were like the – I think you were the highest on Penny – uh, entering the season, yeah, but you know, you got to change. <laughs> you have okay. to update your Bayesian priors. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> I knew that was coming. I definitely didn't Google Bayesian priors at any point in the last hour and a half. I promise. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's get to wide receivers. Uh, The three guys we have at the top of our rankings, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones. Uh, Will, is there anyone that you would substitute into the top three? You could potentially look at Amari Cooper. Devontae Adams would work as well on Thursday night against an Eagles, um, Eagles secondary that's not very good. And uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned Russell Wilson throwing a bunch. Tyler Lockett is, is suddenly piling up targets, and there's just not a lot of other options there in Seattle. So while I, you know, it, like, like, if, if, like Raybon said, if they run 93, I mean, if they run 75 plays, Tyler Lockett could be in line for a pretty big game. So I would say that those are some fringe guys that could work out. All right, and uh, who are some of the players that you are relatively high on? I was at the wide receiver position. Curtis Samuel um, is sort of a lower-end guy that, that I, I use. actually one with uh, Kyle Allen, Curtis Samuel stack last week in DFS, so that was pretty exciting. Um, I, I just think you see seven targets from him. The way that the Panthers utilize these weapons between Samuel, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey is as like satellite weapons around the line of scrimmage, and they're going to try and improve – Kyle Allen's completion percentage, try and give him easy, quick throws in open space and let these guys take off. So I like Samuel as a guy who can put up some numbers uh, at, at a fairly cheap cost. Kenny Galladay is a guy I'm really high on this week because if you look at he, down to 80% snaps last week, but it's because they were running, they were trying to, they were either jammed at the goal line or on short yardage fields and trying to run out the clock. I think he'll be a, I think he'll be a, a heavy target for Matt Stafford. And then Philip Dorsett is somebody who can get on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. He, uh, he's, he's starting to see a major uptick with no Antonio Brown, Julian Edelman banged up. He could be a major factor in the short yardage passing game where the Buff, a very good Buffalo's Bills defense has actually been carved up. Love it. Sean, who are you on? Um, so for me this week, I, I think Will Fuller is a guy I'm a bit higher on the most, and I definitely love him at his um, cheap cost of uh, 4500 on DraftKings. I, I usually like buying low on Fuller, um, and he's due for a big game. Um, I think he's tied. I need to double check. I think he's tied with uh, DeAndre Hopkins in air yards. So he has a big game coming out, and he's a guy usually I fade after he has a good three-game stretch and he's too expensive. Um, so this is a buy-low opportunity time for uh, Will Fuller. Uh, at home against the Panthers. And then the other guy, I think this guy is more chalky. He's pretty much a free square this week, is uh, Terry McLaurin at the Giants um, at 4,500. He scored a touchdown each of his first three games this year, and I I think he's left some stats on the table as well. You know, Case Keenum has overshot him a couple times now where he's wide open deep, so he could even have better stats than he has right now. Yeah, with the uh, Monday Night Football DFS discount, uh, he will definitely be intriguing. Raybon, who do you have here? For me, it's uh, all the Houston wide receivers. You know, Sean mentioned Will Fuller. He deserves to be the wide receiver. One this week. Wait, you guys hear that in the background? I think that's just Raybon tooting his own horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not take this out, man. You have to leave that's, that in. I mean, that's you have incredible. To leave that in. Okay, yeah, it's definitely outside of my window. Yeah, that's definitely a New York noise. It literally sounds like there's a steamboat outside. But anyway, you know, Sean already mentioned the Houston wide receivers. Carolina, uh, 78% target rate uh, by opponents to wide receivers. That is the highest in the National Football League. Now, part of that is they play the Cardinals, um, who don't use a tight end. So that kind of 
shot that up a little bit, but still um, Carolina essentially top of the league in uh, opponents targeting their wideouts against them. Uh, so like Hopkins, like Fuller, like Kenny Stills, who entered last week as a number one rated uh, wide receiver in PFF. Uh, I think he's going a little underrated. Terry McLaurin, Sterling Shepard, both of those guys, uh, top 20 wideouts for me this week. If you check the fantasylabs.com NFL correlations dashboard, strong correlation between opposing number one wide receivers, and I think that plays out in this game. I think the, the Redskins really are going to struggle on a short week. And uh, Daniel Jones, accurate down the field, you know, has some fumbling issues, that some pocket presence issues as far as that goes. But when he throws the ball, it's going to get to where it's, uh, you know, the, the intended target. So I think it's a great spot for Shepard. Uh, in his last game before Golden Tate returns from his suspension. And Raymond, to your point about Hopkins, uh, he has a pretty nice matchup against uh, James Bradbury, uh, number one cornerback for the Panthers. They tend to use him in shadow coverage, and he either uh, really locks down receivers or gets totally dominated, and I think it will be a domination game for Hopkins. Will, who are you relatively low on this week? Well, I mentioned Jameis Winston that I'm not high on um, in terms of a quarterback option, and I will uh, I will st- I will reverse stack him with Mike Evans here as a guy that I'm that I'm kind of low on, mainly because I think and this you know pertains more to DFS. Like if you have Mike Evans, you're probably starting him. The Rams haven't allowed a touchdown to a wide receiver this year. They have cornerbacks that can match up well against Mike Evans in terms of being physical, like Akeem Tlaib. And and I just think you have a guy that goes off for three touchdowns, blows up after big air yard numbers, and then and then actually has the big gain. Uh, people will be going right to him, and he'll be probably be highly owned in a game that has a 50 plus point total. So it, for for DFS purposes, I would probably zig away from Mike Evans. Sean, uh, who are you looking to stay away from here? Um, so the guy I'm looking to stay away from, from you know, sort of the second tier of the wide receiver one tier is uh, Adam Thielen. Uh, I consider more of a wide receiver two right now. Uh, he's been able to be incredibly efficient despite the Vikings utilizing this extreme run first approach. Um, so I think, you know, his floor is a lot lower than people realize. He's been able to save um, some weeks with his touchdown production. But, you know, at 6,600, he's way too expensive. I rather have a guy like Sammy Watkins at the same price who's, who's in a better passing offense and should break out again for a huge game this week. Um, and, and a guy like Cooper Cup, same thing. So those are guys I'm going to be targeting over a guy like Adam Thielen. And then the other guy I'm low on this week is um, Tyrell Williams. Another guy, he's, he's been bailed out by a touch on every game so far this year, but his usage isn't great. Um, and he's, he's pretty expensive on DraftKings too. He's uh, 5,700. Uh, this is clearly Darren Waller's offense. It's, it's sort of a mixed bag between you know, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, and even J.J. Nelson. Um, out target him this week so I think Tyrell Williams is gonna have a much lower floor than people realize going forward so be cautious with them I wouldn't consider him a wide receiver three anymore he's he's more of a wide receiver four or five that that should be on your benches this week I love how Darren Waller really wasn't even playing in the league last year and now it's his offense that just shows how dysfunctional the Raiders are in a sort of like bigger picture type of way Raybon who are you looking to fade this week T.Y. Hilton looks like he's dealing with a quad uncertain to play even if he goes, I would be concerned with T.Y. Hilton's production. I think this is the week you kind of hop off because um, I did some research a couple years ago trying working to update it, but essentially when a wide receiver plays through a quad injury, he his fantasy production decreases by about 25% uh, compared to uh, when you know he's not on the injury report. So this is an ominous sign for T.Y. Hilton. His, he was quoted as saying, you know, if I, I'll play if I can. So uh, not, not really a good situation there for T.Y. And then another guy ended up betting the under on his uh, yardage prop last week and it hit and I probably will be doing the same again 
Uh, it's John Brown. I have him as the wide receiver 47. I have T.Y. as a wide receiver 36. Brown is a wide receiver 47. New England Patriots, they're just going to shut him down. Number one in success rate against wide receivers at 27% per sharp football stats. Also, number one in the league, 4.7 yards per target allowed to wide receivers. Uh, I could see Brown having a really low floor game uh, this week. Totally agree with you on both of those calls, Raybon. Uh, Sean, who do you have for us in the prop game? So first up, uh, let's go with Mike Evans, who uh, came out of his hibernation last week with a 190-yard, three-touchdown game against the Giants. Uh, This week he gets the Rams, um, and I'm setting his line at 81-and-a-half. Under. I have 80, so that's a really good line. Just because Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters, and and Peters was getting torched last year when Tlaib was off the field. When Tlaib is on the field, it totally changes that defense. He got one of the best to ever do it, calling the shots and Wade Phillips. It's going to be priority number one to shut down Mike Evans. Yeah, I'm under two, obviously, when I'm already fading Evans. I mean, I just think that Aqib Tlaib is one of those matchups where it's not great. For Mike Evans, I mean, they're just the stylistically. I think that he is a, he's a bad matchup for him, and Peters can play with him as well. The the one I think the way that you would get this is if it if the Bucks are down big and Jameis is forced to toss it in the fourth quarter a bunch, and the Rams sort of call it off, uh, and then obviously you know all bets are off in that case. But I would I would go under here as well. I think it's possible that Sean moved the line a little bit. But I should say, I have this projected for 81.3. So I'm basically right there with Sean. But uh, to help balance the book and also to try to exploit what I'm thinking of as game theory, I'm going to take the over (laughs) on this line. Good call. I I had an 83 and a half, and I definitely noted down Will, you know, being a little bearish on him. So I I do adjust the number based on your guys' comments throughout the show. Full disclosure. Four catches, 42 yards. Everyone's going to be so pissed. (laughs) <laughs> I'll be at that game. Just a side note, I'm going to be at that game. I'm pretty stoked about oh, that. Oh, enjoy, man. Next up, uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, total receiving yards at Chicago this week. He's yet to top 50 yards this year. Um, so I'm setting his line at 50 and a half. Over. Way over. I have him at 60. Listen, we saw with Chicago, like, the, like Paul Richardson and Terry McLaurin, both eight against Chicago. I guess it's kind of contrarian, but I don't think you can adjust it too far down based on the, a three-game sample of outlyingly low pass attempts, uh, especially when Stephon Diggs, uh, Adam Thielen, both of those guys get such a huge piece of the pie. Like, yeah. um, I, I, the Vikings also underdogs here on the road, so that's actually a positive for volume in the pass game. So uh, it might be a contrarian pick a little bit, but I'm going over. You, you would think that would be a good spot for, for volume in the passing game, but they were down 21 nothing in Green Bay and just kept running the ball. Like, um, but in week five, they get the Giants, and in week six, they get Philly. I'll take under here. I just don't think they're going to pass the ball a bunch. I think it's a low-scoring game. Uh, I think Diggs has a breakout game in either week five or week six because at some point Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski have to like, make the dude happy. Like You have to give him one – throw him one bone where he has a good week. And so I'll, but I'll wait till week five or six. I'll go uh, under here. I have uh, digs right around this line, uh, barely to the under. So I, I will go under, but I think it's a pretty good line. Uh, let's get to the tight ends. We have Kelsey, Evan Ingram, and Zach Ertz as the top three. Obviously, we should note uh, the first week of bye weeks are here, and that means that George Kittle is on bye. Uh, normally, he would be in the top three there. Will, uh, what do you think of the top three? Is there anyone you would put in there? Maybe Greg Olson. Mark Andrews lingering around there, but too many questions about their usage in their particular game. So I, I think that's a good list. I would have Ingram one over Kelsey personally. I am there with you, actually. Will, who are you relatively high on? Uh, Will Disley, 
the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are just morphing into this high-powered passing offense before my very eyes, apparently. I, you know, I think you look at what he's become sort of for Russell Wilson in a, in a higher-volume offense. We talk about their defense being bad. You know, they want to run the ball, but they haven't been necessarily great at doing it, I don't think, in, in the red zone so far. I don't think they trust Chris Carson. Russell Wilson is so efficient when it comes to turnovers. You can give him the ball. You can roll him out in the red zone. He's not going to cough it up. And Disley's become a reliable target there. So I, I think he's a very nice uh, – I think he's a great – well, it's probably already happened, but for some reason he's not owned in your league, go grab him, especially if you're a George Kittle owner. I think he's a great pickup for the rest of the season and a, and a good play in uh, week four. All right, Sean, who do you like here? Uh, so I love Austin Hooper uh, at 4.3K. He's a guy that I was all about during the preseason and, you know, the two-touchdown game – uh, might have been a little bit of a fluke, but you know, I think his touchdown production is going to spike this year. He, like I've mentioned, you know, his career touchdown rate of three point seven percent, which was freakishly low for a guy like his caliber on a you know a passing offense with the caliber of the the Falcons. So um, I, I think he can score six to eight touchdowns this year. So I think we'll continue to see him heavily involved in the red zone, heavily involved in you know Matt Ryan's check down progression. So uh, I'm buying in even more on Austin Hooper, especially at a cheaper price this week. All right, Raymond, what about you? Darren Waller, uh, I have him as a tight end three this week over Zach Ertz. Uh, Waller is the number five tight end in half point PPR. Uh, he's the only tight end in the top eight that has not scored at least one touchdown. Six of the top eight have multiple touchdowns, and the only one that doesn't is Travis Kelsey. So ridiculously still has room for upside, and he's going against what's been a nut spot for tight ends in the Indianapolis Colts, who I talked about Hooper last week. So I actually don't think his multi-touchdown game was a fluke. I think it's like the, the Colts and now the Cardinals this year. Like, when you face those teams with your tight ends, like, those guys are going to eat. Uh, and so, you know, that, that, that Matt Eberflew zone, they're going to give up catches to Waller, and that's what Waller's doing. Like, he's getting a lot of short catches, just stacking up the volume. Uh, you know, he has, let's see, six for – no, seven for 70 on eight targets in week one, uh, six for 63 – in week two, and then 13 for 134 in week three. Um, but unlike wide receivers where you owe oh, a lot of air yards, we just double them, take them out of the game. Like the Colts are still going to kind of like play their defense and like let him catch short completions. And Derek Carr does not like to throw the ball down the field. Uh, so, you know, as echo what you guys said about Tyrell, uh, I think it's going to be tough for him if the touchdowns don't sling his way. Uh, but Waller, I think, has a case over Ertz because I think the, the Green Bay safeties, Amos and Savage, uh, they're they're going to have an eye on Ertz, uh, especially with Alshon banged up. I think they let their young corners, they, they're going to feel like they have quickness advantage over Jeffrey, give him some man coverage. Green Bay also allowing a 33% uh, target rate to running back. So they're kind of forcing teams to really dump it down underneath. Uh, Waller, uh, perfect spot, top three tight end for me this week. I should say, uh, Raymond, I originally had Waller uh, as my number three guy, and I just I, I couldn't do it. I had to <laughs> I had to move Ertz ahead of him. But we all have Waller uh, in our top five. Um, who are you low on, Will? I have a question mark next to him because I, I don't want I don't want to sound stupid, but like OJ Howard, it was it was just hard to find somebody that like wasn't obvious that everyone should be low on anyway at tight end. I could see people t- sort of t- talking themselves uh, into him having a big week again, and and I just don't know that you can start him given what we've seen from him in in, in this offense and Bruce Arians' usage of him. So uh, I would pass on OJ Howard if you weren't already passing on him. Raymond, who are you low on at tight end? I mean, I already mentioned it, Zach Ertz, and it's, we're just splitting hairs here. But, you know, anytime you knock him out of the top three, I think it's notable. Uh, so, yeah, I just think that the short week, Zach Ertz tends to do better at home. His, his splits on the road uh, go down. Didn't quite blow up as much as we expected last week. And Green Bay, 
just 15% uh, of targets by opponents have gone to the tight end position. And I think that's because of that revamped back end with those safeties, uh, Amos and Savage back there. And, and, and again, with Jeffrey banged up, I think they take their chances on the outside and they pay attention to Ertz and they, and they kind of make Philly play, uh, play left-handed. All right, Sean, I see that you are relatively low on uh, Mark Andrews in terms of the name that you've put in our show sheet. That said, you have Andrews ranked number four which is the ultimate sign of respect, I think, actually. What are your thoughts on Andrews? Yeah, the, there's been a few tweaks. Uh, I have him ranked fifth right now, and I, I wanted to clarify, you know, season long, he's still a top five tight end for me. Going forward, I think you should treat him as a top five tight end. But, you know, in terms of DFS, I think um, this is a good time to fade him. You know, we saw last week he, he played his normal amount of snaps, roughly about 50%. Um, but, you know, maybe the ankle um, is a short, sort of a short-term concern. Um, and also, maybe we overreacted a little bit to his easy schedule to start. I mean, he opened the season up against the Dolphins, Cardinals, and Chiefs. You know, guys like Hooper, who I mentioned earlier, and even Greg Olson are about 1K cheaper. Um, so you have some cheaper options that I have. You know, I have them ranked right up there next to him. And then you have a guy like Evan Ingram, um, who's just a few hundred dollars more expensive. And I have him like three to five points higher projected than uh, Andrews. So I just think Andrews is in a tricky spot this week. So I think it's a good week for me to kind of wait it out, reevaluate sort of his small sample size. Um, so it's more of a hold for me than a complete fade, um, especially if you're in season long. All right, Sean, give us the props. And I should just say, uh, because Will and I already said that we are on Evan Ingram as the number one tight end. I just know that this line is going yeah. to be five yards higher. So, yeah. It's 140 I, yards. <laughs> I probably can't set it high enough for you guys. Now, um, here we go. Receiving yards for Evan Ingram um, at home against the Redskins, 72 and a half. I'll, st- I'll still take the over. I thought you were going to say 90. I'll take the over. <laughs> we saw this Redskins secondary, right? And and we know that Daniel Jones leans on him. And we saw the breakaway speed that he showed. I, I just, and I also think the Redskins coming off that short week are going to be just mentally checked out. The look on Sean's face when we both said we would take the over was just <laughs> like unbridled good. glee. It's like, I'm just, these guys are such idiots. I just nailed <laughs> No, no, I, I don't disagree with you because I'm just having flashbacks of his one-handed grab last week and just like yeah i don't know how you stop them you know i don't feel great about this line the uh, i'll take the under just to balance the book i actually do have him a little lower i still have him as my tight end too but uh i have him 5.6 catches for 66 yards so like i'm, I'm betting on like a six catch 66 yard two touchdown game <laughs> yeah my raw projection 66 so i i definitely ah! inflated a bit but you know it's gonna move a bit during the week <laughs> probably up uh okay let's get into the uh q a section where we answer uh fantasy questions Will, this question is from FF Guru. Is Wayne Gallman uh, for using the first waiver priority? If not, who are some people you would want to target with it? If you are 0 and 3 or 1 and 2, Gallman is a guy that you should look at because if he hits, he's going to hit big. But like, I'm not necessarily in a non resetting situation. I'm not necessarily burning the number one claim for him. I think uh, Rex Burkhead, Philip Dorsett, Jamal Williams is interesting too. He had 60% of the snaps for Green Bay last week. Um, if that shifts and he takes Aaron Jones' job, he could be a league winner. Chris, this is from Fantasy FB. Should I try trading Cooper Cup while his stock is at its highest, or should I hold him as my wide receiver too? Hold. I mean, I have him as a wide receiver one this week, or borderline wide receiver one. And I mean, mentioned with Goff in the, in the lineup, with Goff and Cup together, those guys are money in the bank every single week. High floor, high ceiling guy. Uh, Sean, this is from Greg Gregory. Is it worth stashing Malcolm Brown or Darwin Thompson any longer? 
Uh, so Malcolm Brown, absolutely. I, I think that was sort of a week one overreaction where, um, you know, Brown had 11 carries for 53 yards and two touchdowns. And then people are like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to pick him up and just, you know, insert him in my starting lineup. And I was saying, do not do that. He's a must own because he's clearly Todd Gurley's handcuff, which is one of the most valuable um, handcuffs there is right now. Like this could be a week where you can actually play Malcolm Brown um, in the flex slot. You know, they're favored by 10 points. He could get some garbage time carries. So he's a guy you can use when there's heavy bye weeks. Uh, but ultimately, he's Todd Gurley's um, handcuff. Um, and then when it comes to Darwin Thompson, I mean, any Chiefs player is worth investing in. So, you know, I would keep him if you can. But this is sort of a four-back uh, committee. So, And he seems to be um, at the end of it. So um, despite his potential, he's a guy that um, I would let go of if you're deciding between either Brown or Thompson. Will, this is from Jim Gallagher. Would you drop Tevin Coleman, Miles Sanders, or Justin Jackson to pick up Rashad Penny? Yes. Uh, and if I were picking between those, I would go with Miles Sanders. I don't like doing it because I think he's the most talented back on an Eagles team, but it's an Eagles team that does not like to uh, give one bell cow the rock. He fumbled twice last week. And if you look at the schedule, Packers, Jets, Vikings, Cowboys, Bills, Bears, by Patriots. That is brutal. Miles Sanders is not going to be very useful and Rashad Penny could take over for the Seahawks. All right. Next question here, Chris, this is from Danny. Where do you have McLaurin rest of season? Five catches, 125 in a touch week one. Five catches, 52 in a touch week two. Six catches, 70 in a touch against a stingy Bears defense in week three. Wide receiver two at wide receiver one upside. Terry McLaurin fucks. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, this is for Sean from Mitch from Saskatoon. Survivor League, do you take the Rams or the Chargers? Uh, Chargers for sure. I, I don't really know if you'll be able to use them the rest of the season. So, you know, against the Dolphins, you got to use them. And then the Rams, you can save them. For week eight, they have a home game against the Bengals. So I would rather just kind of space them out that way. Will, this is from James L. Thompson. Will Demarcus Robinson have value after Tyreek Hill returns? Sorry, I muted myself. I was pointing out that Eckler's better than Melvin Gordon, too, by the way. Oh, um, yeah, I, that's, that's very fair. I, I totally agree with that. I yelled at nobody responded. I was like, oh, I guess that was dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, no, I don't think Demarcus Robinson will. I mean, even look, six catches for 172 yards against a bad Oakland team, that's great. He had the touchdown last week, but I think he's. Uh, well, I think he and McCall Hardman will probably see diminished value once Tyreek hit. Everyone. Everyone on the Chiefs, everyone on the Chiefs will have value. Everyone, like Patrick Mahomes, is he's throwing for 300 yards in a quarter. Like, I get it. Like, his like Robinson obviously has like that Chris Conley low floor where he could just disappear some weeks, but he also has the Tyreek Hill ceiling even when Hill was there. Like, I would still hold any Chief. Like, me, even like Darwin Thompson might be the most droppable one because he's like their four string running back, unfortunately, but. Do we really think he's going to break the freaking record for, like, is he going to throw yes. the passing yards? Uh, no, but the touchdowns, he might, he might throw 50 again. I, I think that's firmly within grasp. Progression off the table? Uh, is he's getting, like, you have to recognize outliers, and I started to come to that realization as the, leading up to the season. Like, Patrick Mahomes is just an outlier, and we have to treat him different. We can't just use, like, a, a, a strategy. It, it works for every other quarterback it applies to, like, quarterback 2 to 32, it applies. But, like, Patrick Mahomes, another stratosphere, he's getting better. All right, one more question here. Uh, Sean, this is from Chris Raybon, who's a big fan of the Action Network, uh, this show, and Chris Raybon in particular. Does Matthew misspelling your name make you want to call him Matthew Freeman? Yes, absolutely. And then also, you know, <laughs> take away a T, spell it weird, you know, Matthew with one T. I'm going to add that to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that works. Will, what content of yours should people check out and where can they find it? 
You can read my stuff at cbssports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Will Brinson. Uh, and then if you want a daily NFL podcast that we actually put up eight episodes of each week, Monday through Friday, the Pick 6 podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get uh, your podcast. All right, everyone, be sure to follow Will on Twitter at Will Brinson. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode.